We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike, and we'll get into some analysis and breaking things down today, but uh, it's a celebration. LeBron James has agreed to an extension, two years, $85 million. Anthony Davis woke up to news this morning of Anthony Davis agreeing to five years, $190 million. Neither of those things were we, – we didn't know a LeBron extension was on the horizon at all. And with AD, it was always oh, going to take a one plus one, a two plus one. He ends up signing a four plus one. So four years with an early termination option for the fifth season. The Lakers, not only present but future, is secured for about as long as it can be in the NBA. Darius, this is a huge 24 to 48-hour span in Lakers history, man. Cue up the ice cube, Pete. Cue up the ice cube. Today was Sir, a good I got day. got my wine? Yes, yes. Today was a good day, my friend. Like The ex- explicit thing- version, Darius. Not the one that you hear on the radio, okay? That's right. Oh, no. Version Mike only. is our resident yeah. 90s uh, hip-hop guy. <laughs> there is not another version in my world. Exactly. Mike. That's right. Um, well, dude. Go, please. No, no, no. You're, I, I, was, I was just saying, like, I get 
when it comes on the radio, which I don't have often and it, and it's not the authentic version, then I just, I'll find it on my phone and switch to the, switch the input. Oh yeah. But it becomes I've annoying already, when yeah. songs that you yeah. know, and you hear the clean version of, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I've already distracted too long. My fault, Darius, please continue. <laughs> no, no, no. We are good. This is what this pod is going to be. So if y'all ain't ready for it, then you, you know, listen to the last pod again to prep for this one. The LeBron extension, especially I think came out of left field there. Like when that news broke, I didn't even quite know what to make sense of it to tell you the truth. Like, wait, he's committing for two extra seasons. He's now locked up basically for, for three seasons after this one, there are no player options. There are no team options on that. So like the contract he signed originally with the Lakers was a three plus one. And so basically what he did is, is he guaranteed the next season and then extended more. So it's like, look, man, like that's LeBron James, the reigning finals MVP. Like I get that he's now entering year 18, but he still looks to be at the height of his powers. And then as we were talking before a little bit um, before the pod, the idea of AD signing a four plus one to me, that was almost off the table entirely. Right. Like I thought for sure he was going to find a way to get back into free agency after his year 10 season he's in order to secure. He's given up yeah, some money doing this. I look. So keep this in mind. Anthony Davis just signed a five year, $190 million max contract. Right. The contract extensions that Jason Tatum just signed right and bam out of bio and uh um, yeah and donovan mitchell Don, like the tatum and mitchell ones especially those have the full escalators in them if they qualify for the super max to push all the way up to 195 million over five seasons right so in theory if jason tatum makes an all nba team next season like second team which is totally realistic for a player like him and a, sorry pete i used tatum but he's a better example here <laughs> than than mitchell but he could end up out earning anthony davis in his next contract versus what ad just signed with the lakers this season and that's astonishing value for a player like anthony davis right who was just first team all NBA and runner up defensive player of the year. Mike, how surprised were you at both of these, these things? Like you work for the team, man. Like you're, you're Mike Trudell, man. You're a sideline reporter. Like this stuff, was it like shocking to you? Cause it was shocking to me as a total outsider. Yeah, no, it was, I'm not going to front at all on this one. I had no clue that the LeBron thing was coming at all. And that one in its own right was exciting. And then I figured, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Maybe AD will structure his deal so that it, you know, he has that option to go at least close to LeBron. Maybe that'll add, maybe he'll add another year or whatever, but I did not expect that it was going to go five. And Darius, if you don't mind, did you, what are the, what are the year by year numbers for AD? That, uh, I don't have those up right now, but okay, let I, me I don't find think they're, I haven't, okay. Cause I haven't seen them up yet either, but I was just thinking for perspective guys, 
how many players around the league, like how many teams have stars like this that are locked in for those types of numbers, which for those two are reasonable. And I mean, so start with the Clippers, like Kawhi and PG, uh, right? They both have player options next year. Luca's on his rookie deal. Uh, I mean, Jokic is locked up through 2022-23 um, at a reasonable number. Murray's locked up through 24-25, you know, so at a reasonable number, but those guys aren't, you know, top five guys. Lillard is locked up at numbers that are even greater than LeBron, like Lillard's this, let's see, this coming year, he's 43 mil, 2022, 23, he's 47. And then it goes up to 50 in 2023, 24. I mean, Steph is at 45 next year. Clay is at 40 uh, in 2022, 23. So like there, there are some guys, but, but none of so those here, players, I think right now are at that level. Um, of Mike, LeBron so here, are. here are ADs year by year. 32-7 in 2021, so this up, upcoming season. It goes to 35-3, 37-9, so basically 38 million, 40.6, and 43.2. Bargain. Bargain. It, it sounds insane just considering the rod, but relative to what uh, other guys around the league are getting, Pete, um, it's it's very much cause for celebration. And and I think also just just in the fact that they proactively made this happen as opposed to hey, like had to sort of twist guys arms into it. Right. And and we've talked many times about how appealing the situation is. They just won the title. They can do it together. The Lakers made excellent moves in free agency. They have no bad contracts moving forward. Uh, the coach, like everything in the city, the city of Los Angeles, the fans, all of that stuff. But it's it, nonetheless, it's still a surprise in kind of the player empowerment era that two guys like this, who, by the way, have had excellent reason um, to show some of that power um, just said, Hey, we, we trust this. This is the spot we want to be in. And like, let's let that, let's let that, role speaking to the player empowerment stuff mike like that's straight out of the lebron james and rich paul handbook right and so now it's again rich paul and his two marquee clients lebron and and anthony davis basically tying themselves in to an organization pete one of the things i wanted to ask you oh please please no just I think about like what a vote of confidence that is from LeBron because LeBron started the whole one plus one deal. Right. And in Cleveland, there was always that specter of LeBron's going to opt out this summer. And sometimes he signed again for another one plus one, but there was always kind of this degree of accountability of like, I could walk. Right. So you need to, I, I, you need to, not do as I say, but there's an implicit. Show me, show me, show me. Yeah. Thank you. That's a better way of putting it. Like show me that you can put together what we want, what, what I'm looking for in the type of environment. LeBron didn't have to do this now. That's the big thing that sticks out to me. Like AD could have signed a one plus one and then committed long-term later. He didn't have to do this now either, but especially LeBron, there's no reason LeBron couldn't have waited until the end of this season and then signed an extension after that. Right. Or, or waited, opted in or however he wanted to go about it. But he didn't have to do this right now. And the fact that he did, especially when you look at his history, I don't I can't think of a bigger vote of confidence for a front office and for a, a franchise than what LeBron just gave them. Can I say so? I agree with that. One hundred percent. I will say, though, too, that there are some there are some CBA technicality things 
um, as far as like the over 38 rule and your ability to add on multiple contracts, like contract. Can you explain that real quick? Like LeBron's age and that I am not an expert by any chance, but LeBron is 36 right now. Right. And so once you start to go and it used to be the over 36 rule, (laughs) but Chris Paul, president of the players union and LeBron James, at the time, vice president of the players union, they negotiated this up two more years to the 38 year. So LeBron is going to be 36 this month in December. And after you get to your age 38 season, I believe you're no longer able to extend your contract in like multiple year segments, which I believe is why like players like Dirk and Tim Duncan were always tacking on like one more year on to their deals at, at the end of their contracts when they were like in their age 39 and age 40 seasons. Right. And and, and so one of the things that LeBron did, and this is uh, look for all the stuff that you just said, Pete, like I'm on board with that in terms of support and faith in the organization. He easily could have played this out to free agency and then continued to get max deals from, from the Lakers, even if they were in one year increments versus two year increments. Right. But what LeBron did is, is he, he, uh, another smart business move from LeBron and Rich Paul, they maximized LeBron's earnings up until his age 38 year where he is now getting the maximum amount of money that he could have gotten via an extension to his age 38 year. So I never put it past LeBron either to, to see the whole chessboard to understand not only is this a place I want to be, not only did we just win the championship, not only do I know in some way, shape or form that Anthony Davis is going to come back, even if he didn't know the exact terms himself, he still is like, look, what makes dollars was what makes sense. Like I'm, I'm about that too. And, and, and so credit the organization for sure, but also continue to credit LeBron James and Rich Paul for making smart business decision after smart business decision in, in order to optimize his earning power. Right. And, and so I just see this as a win-win for, for both sides. So I just wanted to present that side of this too, a little bit. For sure. And and also, I think LeBron for this coming season, he's only going to be the, I think the sixth highest paid player in the NBA. Yeah. And he's, so the, what I'm looking at in front of me is, so it's Steph, Russ, CP3, John Wall, James Harden. And then right there with LeBron is KD. Blake Griffin is close behind. Paul George is close behind. Clay is close behind. And then you have kind of Conley, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, you know, as, as Giannis said uh, the other day, LeBron is still the best player in the league. And by the way, shout out to Giannis for that. I thought that was cool um, that he acknowledged that, you know, usually you have, um, you know, somebody that's that great uh, as he is, isn't necessarily going to put that on wax. I'm like, you know, but we all know it. We just saw it. We just saw it again in the bubble. And he's, guess what? He's healthy. Uh, He did not slow down last year and nor has he shown any signs of slowing down. So I, uh, again, I'm thrilled that he, uh, that he signed that for the absolute maximum that he could. Um, and I don't think there's a player in the league that deserves it more. And that's without the element guys of how much he helped draw a lot of the talent that the Lakers got to the Lakers, which he has to get a great amount of credit for. Wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, Mike, I'm curious about your thoughts on the relationship between the Lakers and Clutch, right? Because it feels to me like there's a paradigm shift that the Lakers are really embracing in that player empowerment era, right? The LeBron James, LeBron James is the most difficult to replace person in the whole ecosystem of basketball, right? Uh, and it, with the Lakers, and Anthony Davis is number two, right? And so like, we, we talk about player empowerment and it can have certain connotations to it, but I would argue that it's water finding its own appropriate level in that the way that the Lakers have embraced clutch and that in, rather than having an adversarial like, oh, we're the franchise, you're the agent and we are we have this natural again, adversarial relationship where you're trying to get the best contract, we're trying to get the best contract and situation for us, rather than it being kind of this competitive framework, there's a collaborative approach, or at least that's what it seems from like, yeah, I'm, I work for Lakers too, but I like, I don't know this shit, right? Like, it's not something that I've, I'm privy to, but I'm especially struck by the rather than, oh, we've got to make sure we don't have too many clutch guys, right? Because we've got to limit the power of any one rather than having that approach, really embracing that relationship. I'm curious about both of your guys' thoughts on kind of what seems to be a new approach toward team building that's more collaborative rather than, oh, we're the GM, the owner, et cetera, and we're the ones who call the shots. Yeah, I really don't know how to answer that about if there's been a paradigm shift, but I do think that we can acknowledge that Rob Palinka, as a high-powered agent, and go back and listen to the Palinka pod if you want. Great point about his about his relationship with Kobe. You know, he understands that a lot of this is about just getting the best players, and in the case of LeBron James, that's a whole different level because of his, uh, of course, the businesses that he's um, that he's built up. You know, not just through the agency, you know, with clutch and whatever, of course that's rich Paul, but whatever involvement, of course, that they were, they've been best friends for so long. But I think that from Palinka's standpoint, he has to look at whatever players out there in the league that they think that they can get on the roster. Um, they have to try and do that. And so if, if several of the players happen to be with one agent a certain year, so be it. It's kind of like when David Falk represented half the league, um, or, you know, years Mm -hmm. ago or in baseball, Scott Boris seems to, uh, seems to, rep like CAA is like this too Mike like yeah. CAA represents a like I feel like half of the league right and and then so you can to Pete's point though there is a tricky side of that like you you know you you sort of hear it talked about but in a more negative connotation at least with like a team like the Knicks right who have long been associated with CAA and Leon Rose they're now you know, version of Rob Palinka for them. He is their chief basketball decision maker. He came from CAA. Tom Thibodeau, their head coach, was rep by CAA. And so I do think that there can be a negative connotation with that, Pete. But I'm more with you, Mike, that Palinka was an agent himself. I think he wants to have good relationships with all of these guys as much as possible. And are his two best players represented by the same client yes but that also means then probably even better to have a strong and positive relationship with that specific person right like i think it just makes sense is could it get tricky a little bit sure is there someone who i would trust 
more than a former high powered agent himself to sort of navigate that. Um, no, not really. The only other thing about this that it struck me as funny today when the Westbrook for wall trade happened and just considering how, you know, Westbrook playing with Harden and then the previous like Chris Paul and Harden. And we spent so much time listening to stories the last couple of years about how certain superstars didn't want to play with LeBron um, that I always thought were bogus. And now I, I just think that if we look at it now in hindsight and look at some of the other stars around the league, I hope that that narrative has died down some. And we can recall that like LeBron actually is a pretty good player to play with. Um, if you're a star, he will, you know, whether that was Kyrie uh, in Cleveland or Wade and Bosch in Miami, or uh, now of course, Anthony Davis in Los Angeles, like they're, that those pairings have worked out a lot better than most other star pairings around the league, save for Golden State, which uh, which they had, of course, their own great run there. So that I just it, it was it struck me, struck a chord in me. And, and Pete, back to your point about this question with the agency, I think that it's more about LeBron um, than it is about any agency. I just think that he's got he's the guy still in the NBA. He's got the magnetism. If he calls you, uh, you are going to take that call. Like Jared Dudley in his presser today, thanks LeBron almost first, right? He's like basically like, thanks for having me back. You know, and, and of course, there's a big part of that with the Lakers and the front office and everything else. But, you know, look, that we, you just give the guy his flowers. LeBron is a, is a pretty big mover and shaker in the NBA. Yeah, it starts with him. And there's a, the common thread through LeBron James, Frank Vogel, Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss, which represents the leadership structure. They're the head of their individual components of the Lakers organization. The common thread that they have is that they're all collaborative in nature. One of the reasons why LeBron has succeeded with all of these different pairings is that his initial inclination is to share. It is to distribute. Uh, he was talking about this on that road trip and pod that you were talking about last time, Darius, where he was talking about like getting And he was talking about Luka Doncic and his nature and how much he admires Luka's game is LeBron looks to find common ground with the people that he's next to. And there's different styles of leadership, right? And it's so interesting to contrast. And I don't want to do this in the, the way that's so overdone and obnoxious, frankly, but to contrast him and Kobe, right? Is Kobe is like, I'm going to set a certain standard and like you are expected, like I'm going to push you. And, and it's not, it's not, not collaborative. Right. But LeBron really goes out of his way to find what's best about everybody and embrace those parts of their game, their personality, and just the, the leadership of this team being so collaborative. And rather than saying, oh, well, Dennis Schroeder wants to come in and start. And, you know, our initial inclination is to be like, oh, well, you know, we're the champions. And it kind of ruffles our feathers. And it, I, I think from the leadership of this organization standpoint, LeBron specifically, it's like, Hey, how do we make this work for everybody? How we, how do we make all of this work for every party? And if we do that, we end up rowing in the same direction. Well, and that's when we're at our most powerful. Now, of course though, he, if somebody is not pulling their share, I don't think he's scared to confront it of in course a Kobe not. type style. He didn't have to Absolutely do that. Absolutely necessary. Year. Right. So he didn't have to do that last year uh, because they, it, the boat really did row in one direction. And so 
that's, but I don't think, I think you're right, Pete, that's what we saw. But even if you contrast that to the year before, uh, when I, I'll still contend that that was more about injuries and youth than anything else, but it wasn't as harmonious, nor should it have been. And so winning does bring that, uh, that, that smoothness to a season. And, and we absolutely saw that last season in this year. It, I, I do think that there is a good chance given how talented they are and how united still a lot of the guys are, but like they, they now have to prove that element too. Right. And that's been part of your big point over the last couple of pods. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about what this means for the team, not only in the present, but going forward, because I think the team building elements of this, having LeBron and AD here and committed to the Lakers uh, is, is really a boon for what the Lakers can do, not only now, but in the future. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about that. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So on the court, I think the Lakers are put in a position, a really advantageous position of LeBron and AD are such generalists in their basketball generalists. They have, they're exceptional at a multitude of skills that you need to be able to be good at basketball. Right. And they combine that with incredible athletic gifts and what that's allowed the Lakers to do thus far, and I think will allow them going forward to build a team, is to find players that are great at certain things. Like Montrez Harrell, for example, is not the most complete player in the NBA, but he's great at what he does. Dennis Schroeder is great at what he does. Even Wes Matthews, Mark Gasol, they have very clearly defined roles that I think the foundation of LeBron and Anthony Davis as generalists, as basketball generalists, allow you to find, if not specialists, in some examples, they are specialists, but guys that may have certain holes in their game, but you can build the rest of the team out, really, of guys that are great at certain things. And so long as those 
you've got a guy like Harold who's great in some circumstances or Marc Gasol, who's a totally different type of five than Harold is. And you have all of your bases covered. And so that's part of why I'm so excited about this commitment is I, I feel like going forward, we can go in so many different directions where we can accentuate the best of players that come and play for the team and kind of not have to worry about the holes in their game. Darius, what do you see is the long-term impact of having both LeBron and AD commit? Well, you said it, man. Like, and I wrote about this during the playoffs at Form Blue and Gold. Like, I likened LeBron and AD to the character, the keymaker from the Matrix movies. Um, the guy who is the shortcut, right? He is he is the program that allows you to get from point A to point B much faster because he can create the path. And that's what having players as versatile and as talented as LeBron and AD allow you to do, right? Like they are the shortcut to any style of play you want to play. Like you want to play, like you want to play smaller quote unquote, right? Then, all right, well, LeBron James, you're going to play power forward, right? And Anthony Davis, you're going to play center. And you can then surround those guys with three guards who are like legit guard sized guys, right? Like a six, two, a six, two guy, like Rajon Rondo, a six, four guy, like Alex Caruso, another six, four guy like KCP. And that's fine because you have LeBron and AD, right? Like you want to play big. All right. Well, let's flank LeBron and AD with a 6'11 behemoth like Dwight Howard, right? And then let's surround those guys then with like a, a guy like Kyle Kuzma who has some defensive versatility, right? So now you've got Kuz chasing the wings and then you've got Alex Caruso guarding point guards and it's just like, okay, well, this team is gigantic. Like, what do you even do with a lineup like that? And those lineups only work because of having two specific players just like LeBron and AD. And there's maybe two, three other players like that in the entire league, like Giannis, right? Kevin Durant. And if there's only four of those guys or five of those guys in the entire NBA and the Lakers have two of them, what kind of advantage is that right? Like, so you can talk about top five player, top five player, right? And, and so at any given time, a top five player list may include a guy like James Harden. It may include a guy like Steph Curry. It may include, right? And so it's not always going to be a 6'9 guy and a 6'11 guy, right? But that's what, that's what LeBron and AD are. And they're at the top of that list in terms of that conversation of who are the best players in the league. So when you talk about the versatility and the ability to shape shift, which is a, an idea that we've talked about a bunch on this pod, or the idea to bring in different types of skill sets around two specific players and make it work. Yeah, it's going to work. You know why it's going to work? Because LeBron and AD are the key maker, dog. Like they are, they are the shortcut to any style of play that you want to have you want to skew more defense put more defense out there you want to skew more offense put more offense out there guess what ad is the best defensive player in the league when lebron locks in he is one of the best 
power wing defenders that you're going to find who, hey, can also guard a point guard, can guard whoever you want on the floor. On one possession, he can guard Nikola Jokic, and on the next possession, he can guard Jamal Murray. And Anthony Davis can do the same exact thing. So when you talk about building out a team and what does this do for the Lakers, it's freedom. Right. It's freedom to go after whoever the top player is at any given position at any given time and say, come be with us. Come be with us. And guess what? We're going to make it work. And that's a powerful thing. It's just powerful. Man, that was a good speech. I got fired up, man. Yeah, I, I was like so, ready to I'm being the game coach. Damn, this is a this is a case of yes and yes. So you, both of you, <laughs> for different sort of, you made different points that both work. And on the one hand, just raw talent, like part of what Darius is talking about. If you have two top five players, I don't care if they're specialists, like and, and not that Shaq was a specialist, but I'm thinking of the Kobe Shaq thing where Shaq was was incredible at some specific things. Other things he wasn't as good at, but who cares? <laughs> because he just crushed you at the hoop and Kobe great at almost everything uh, on the floor. He's, he's one of those guys. that's a little bit more like LeBron where he can play point guard for you. He can play, he can kill you with jump shots. He can defend, he can hold up in the post if he has to. So, but the point is they were top five players. And then, so, and then, so on Pete's point, if you have two guys that also kind of can, can sync with each other and that can, that the rest of the league isn't going to have answers to because they can play multiple positions. They can defend multiple spots. Like they, they both of these things apply. Uh, and that's why the Lakers won last year. That's why there are, again, are the favorites. And you guys are totally right when you, you have so much flexibility. And we talked about this on our last podcast with the rotations. It doesn't really matter that much when you have LeBron and AD as the basic uh, or as, as the baseline. And that's why locking them in makes this the culture and the uh the that's just you can kick that can on down and keep bringing in guys to complement it and if they are of greater talent that's 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 ideal like this season but they could also just be guys that are not going to have many weaknesses like last year's team uh where uh, where you sort of just put guys that can defend and the, another team can't pick on so yeah it's it's a good place to be it's a good place to be where they're at right now it also puts us in a different team building place, right? Where for since 2015, really, we've been kind of looking ahead to these off seasons where we'd have this amount of cap space for a max player and hoping that they'd come. And then with the acquisition of LeBron and then AD there, there was still a certain degree of, Oh, well, 2021 there after this season upcoming, they were going to have clean books. Right. And, now you've got two max guys signed, which probably precludes, precludes a third guy from coming, although that can always happen. And so now it puts us into a different place of how to approach free agency and how to approach bringing back our own guys. Darius, this is something that you've tweeted about. And I know that Kuz is a uh, lightning rod of sorts on social media, but you've expressed the desire to extend him, right? We I have, we learned today that we can't do the same with Caruso, who's a free agent this year. And because he signed the two-way deal and just details of the collective bargaining agreement, we can't extend Alex Caruso. He has to hit unrestricted free agency, whether we like it or not. So hopefully we can keep AC, but we are not in the same position with him as we are with Kuz or with Dennis Schroeder, who's new, but he's also eligible and a little bit down the line, especially for a slightly larger 
extension. Uh, so approaching team building from the perspective of not having max money in free agency and kind of choosing to retain your guys. What's your argument for retaining Kuz specifically, Darius? Well, I mean, look, a lot of people jump to point C. Point C is like, oh, well, keep him because he's an asset and you can trade him later, right? And so that's point C for me, right? I always want to keep players because I like a player, right? I don't want to keep a player because I don't like a player, but I don't want to lose out on his contract so I can trade him for a player I do like another time. That's like, you know... I don't know, staying in a relationship because your girlfriend drives a nicer car than you. Like that's not it's kind of Celtics-y too. It's it's a little Celtics-y in nature. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, like, look, man, like I want to retain Kuz because I think Kuz is still sort of an up-and-coming player. He's no longer the shiny young rookie who did great things at Summer League. He's no longer the prolific young scorer who was shooting almost four 40% on threes in, in his first year. And it was just like, oh my God, this dude's a steal of the draft. He, like, the shine has worn off of Kuz some right and so i'm i'll be the first one to acknowledge that we've talked about his ups and downs on this pod over the course of his entire career here that said he is he he showed last year to be really improving as a defensive player um especially on the wing he it can still show and still has shown some dynamic scoring pop as a player when given the opportunities to score the ball. And I just do not think you let players like that get away or have offers put onto them in restricted free agency, where then you're put in an awkward position of you have to match. I want to be proactive in these conversations. And if I'm Rob Palinka, I'm thinking to myself, Hey, I like Kyle Kuzma. I was part of the regime that drafted him. Remember, like it was Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka that traded D'Angelo Russell um, and Timofey Mozgov to Brooklyn for Brooke Lopez and the draft pick that became Kyle Kuzma. So I don't think there's going to be anyone who looks at him with clearer eyes in the front office that drafted him. Some might think it's the opposite, but I actually think no one knows his warts more than this front office. And he proved to be a viable rotation player on an NBA championship team. And he's what, 26 now, 25. Don't overthink this from the standpoint of he's a talented player. You want talented players on your team. And if you can find a contract that is reasonable, that works for both sides, then why not work on an extension now rather than allowing him to get into restricted free agency where all it takes is one team. And next year, there's going to be a ton of teams with cap space, man. Like, it isn't going to be these three or four teams only like there was this offseason where it's like, okay, Mark Charlotte off the list. They're not, they're like, they're no longer there because they got Gordon Hayward. Knock Atlanta off. No, there's going to be like, you you know, like a dozen, 15, 18 teams that are going to have the ability to say, oh, yeah, you know what looks nice right now? A rotation player on on a team that hopefully won the NBA championship again. Right. Let's let's lock him up for let's pay him 18 million dollars. Remember all those games that 
where he scored 20 points and it looked like nothing. Nah, man, like let's have a conversation right now. Let's be proactive and let's try to get coups at, at a good number. And then down the line, if things change, or if he wants a different opportunity, then you can explore working with his representation and saying, let's see if we can find you a different home and, and get something back in return that we like, like as well. But you want my argument? It's I like the player. Let's try to keep him. I like Kuz too. And last year, Kuz was forced into a spot in which he had to figure out how to be a supportive player when I think in his mind and rightfully so there was a level that he could ascend to, especially on the offensive end of the floor where he can go out and get you 20 in the NBA. And while scoring still might be the thing that most guys in the NBA do better than something else, then that it's still not easy to do that. And he had proven, although he needed to increase, improve his efficiency uh, in doing so. And that was kind of an area for growth, but he was not going to be able to do that last year. And Jared Dudley actually described it pretty succinctly today on his zoom call. And he's like, if you have LeBron and AD, guess what? There's not, nobody else is going to have great numbers. It's just not and nor should they, because those guys need to have the ball. They're going to create the open looks and your uh, efficiency should go up as should your defensive impact, your defensive energy. And you can be a better complimentary piece. And he cited Joe Harris and Davis Bertans for saying, Hey, look, you can still get paid if you show that you can do that in a, at an elite level, if you have some other skill and just based on the fact that LeBron and AD came, Kuz has had to think about that type of development. And I think he made legitimate progress last year. His quotes today were that somebody asked him, Hey, what, where do you want to try to improve for this year? And he said, I want to keep making the gains on the defensive end um, that I made. And I want to just get better in general. But the first thing he mentioned was that defensive side, which tells me like Kuz isn't dumb. That's a, that is the that is the right approach for this team. Now, that's who's to say what happens next year. Ho- hopefully they come to some kind of contract extension. I, I, I believe as what he said that they're talking uh, But You know, Pete, he's he's having to at age 25. He's having to to uh, think about it because of what the Lakers are now uh, as a, which would not be the same. Imagine if he were in New York last year or if he were in Charlotte or if he would be a different player. But I think this can make him a better all around player. Uh, And I'd like him to get some more touches here and there. Sure. Um, So he can keep feeding that uh, element of his game. But, but yeah, like he's, he's embraced what the situation is and he got ripped for it because his numbers went down. And, And I thought that that was silly and unfair to him last year. And I, I just didn't think people got it. Like why oh, Matt Kuzma struggled last year. I'm like, I, what, what were you looking for other than a higher field goal percentage? Like, what is it that you thought he was going to do when two of the top five players play at his position defensively? So that's exactly why I'm fascinated by Kuz's upcoming season. Cause it could go in any of a number of different ways. Because that dynamic that you were talking about, what Dudley said, that when you've got LeBron and AD, who are both forwards most of the time, like you always say, like they're in front of Kuz in in some extent, that is exacerbated. That reduced number of shot attempts is exacerbated by the additions of Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. That's a 19 and 18 point scorer that just joined the same thing that existed before then. So are there going to be nights where Kuz gets six shots 
I don't know, but it doesn't seem out of out of the out of question because he's not a primary ball handler. All four of those guys are going to have the ball thrown to them in a way that Kuz are not Kuz is not because Harold can get his own along with Schroeder, and so can Kuz in a contract year embrace that idea of I'm going to be a three and D guy with the capability of more and not put up these massive numbers and still get paid because he was a late first round pick. And obviously he's made good money relative to a normal person, but he hasn't made NBA baller type of money. This is his first big contract that he's up for. And that said, to me, if Kuz can become, and I feel like we've been saying this for three years, so I'm, I will believe it when I see it, but if Kuz can become a 35 or 36% three-point shooter, along with his cutting, his ability to hit floaters, he's got a little bit of passing with the great leaps that he's taken forward on the defensive end, and that's something where I, I was so impressed because it's the type of thing that you will get you'll get praise from your teammates, from your coaches, from a select group of people that says you are defending your ass off. Far more people are going to see that you went two for seven that night and you've got six points and you're going to get killed on social media. He just deleted his, his Twitter account for a while and came back with a, all right, I'm going to show you MFers. I'm just getting started commercial. Yeah. Right. Like good for him. And good for him, but that can also go sideways too, man. That can also be exactly the type of player we don't need, right? And there are going to be some nights where we need him to score six points and defend his ass off, right? So that's a that's a, a tricky dynamic to navigate. I will 100%, man. And as the person who's always sort of looking out from like the like the mindset of people stand standpoint, I want Kuz to be competitive. I want him to be aggressive. I want him to play hard. And if he channels all of this stuff into doing the right things, he's going to be a really effective rotation player for a team to have the chance to win its second consecutive championship. And for all the stuff that you said about this is going to be his first big contract, that's 100% true. He also signed a pretty nice shoe endorsement deal. Right. And and just and the commercial that you mentioned was a commercial for a signature shoe from Kyle Kuzma. Right. Who doesn't even start for for his team when there's guys who where Anthony Davis doesn't have a signature shoe. Right now, it, he, gets uh, those, he gets those nice Kobe's, though. He, he does. Real and, and I'm, but I'm just making the point, though, that like and and it's with a different brand and I get it. It's Puma. It's not Nike. It's all of this other stuff. Right. But I'm just saying that that there's a lot of guys I feel like that would love to be in Kyle Kuzma's position. And I feel like Kuz speaking to what Mike said earlier about his response to areas of growth for him or, or the type of how he wants to build on last season. You're right, Mike, like he's not dumb. And if he has his head, his head on straight, which seemingly he does, I think in terms of like what his basketball approaches is going to be, I continue to believe that he's going to be an effective rotation player on this Lakers team and is really going to help them in a variety of ways, both offensively and defensively. And like speaking to the point about opportunities, Pete, like, and this I think reinforces your point, Mike, about not being dumb. 
the way that Kuz is going to stay on the floor and it's going to get minutes is by defending. It is going to be by showing value on the, on that end of the floor. And guess what? The only way you could score points is when you're on the damn basketball floor. And, and so he's not a dummy. The, the opportunities and the touches will come for him if he earns the minutes and the playing time. And he has equity on this team too. Just like what we talked about with, with KCP, the last pod. Who, aside from Kyle Kuzma, is our big wing defender that we want to actually do big wing defender things for most of the season? If Kuz defends his ass off as a big wing defender and with all of the scoring talent that he has, whether it's from the Lakers or for somebody else, somebody's going to pay him. Jerry and Grant got, what, three and 60 or something like that? Yeah. And and Kuz, I don't think can be that level of defender, although his defensive talents lie in different places. But Grant certainly isn't the scorer that Kuz is. Kuz can make a lot of money in this league being the guy that's in the exact role that he's going to be asked to be in this season. Yeah, he's the most likely roster candidate to replicate Danny Green's type of impact defensively that they won't have on the wing. You know, Keith can downsize a little bit and stick with guys moving his feet, but not to the same level. He doesn't move his feet like Kuz. Uh, and I, I mean, more in the sense for like a bigger wing, like a Kawhi though, right? Like, cause you're also, he's not, he's not going to get punished by Kawhi sure. the way that Kuz might, but, but yes, Physicality, like, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's, that is the area where I do think that Kuz could, um, could, could step in and find some more of those minutes. And Hey, can I, can I 180 this for a second? Because I, so I was thinking about as we started with AD and LeBron. Dub, did you guys hear what Dudley said today about AD? By chance, what's that? So, quote: "I'm expecting AD to go for the MVP." Now, I just thought this was an interesting way of. Uh, so, Dudley is the guy that is kind of the uniter of the group. So he's he's super tight with all the young guys. He's also super tight with LeBron and AD. He's kind of like the bridge guy, right? He's the he's the leader of the group text in a sense. Now, LeBron is really the leader of it, but you know what I'm saying. Like, the, he's the guy that's most right. active on it. Um, he's like, hey, y'all, come on down to San Diego. Like, he's he's kind of, and he's a voice for the coaches. He will call out LeBron. And in, in part of the way that he does it is because he's funny. So if you have a guy in your group of friends that can talk the most trash, but like he's really funny about it, you know, that, that works. Like he gets away with it. Right. So you get the point out there, but you don't, you don't make people feel too bad about it. Exactly. Yeah. So he's got a real skill with people in that sense. And he's good with the media as well. But so he, so today um, we were thinking about, somebody asked him about his approach for this season and what he thinks could happen. And he said, well, AD is officially entering his prime. I'm expecting him for MVP. I'm expecting him to set the tone. We know LeBron in his years played in this league and the accolades he has, but AD doesn't have some of those accolades. He has the talent. He has the determination. So I'm expecting AD to set the tone early on. He's the future. He's the now. And okay. So LeBron, who I thought, I think the three of us thought should have been MVP last year, but LeBron, I think has to figure out how, how to, and he will, but maximize his body and this unique, weird NBA season so that he's back at peak by playoffs. But AD who never got like, he should game one should come out and have one of those Memphis games where it's 40 and 20 and kind of like, Hey, it's my league now. And that's not to say that LeBron isn't still the best player. I still think he is, but AD can kind of keep closing that gap. And the fact that Dudley said it unprompted, it wasn't like he was asked, Hey, what's going to be the dynamic between LeBron and AD that, that tells me something about, I don't know if it's a conversation. I don't know if it was verbalized. I don't know if it, but 
it, it's interesting to me. So what do you guys think about it is, is, is what the question is. I mean, to me, it sounds like it sounds like Jared Dudley. He's in the background doing the Birdman hand rub. Man, like he's plotting. He's trying to get <laughs> something together. No, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Dudley's like, call me champ. Right? Like he's cracking jokes about how, oh, I should have waited to sign my deal so I could decide a four-year deal to be with these guys the whole time. <laughs> right. So he's cracking jokes the whole time, but he also understands that his role, Mike, just like you you were saying, is to sort of continue to nudge. And then sometimes that might mean needling. It might mean being direct. It might mean being indirect. And I bring this back to a quote that AD actually had last season in his first interview where he spoke to Chris Haynes. And he said, look, I want to be defensive player of the year, but I want LeBron James to be first team all defense with me. And I saw that as the first idea of like, oh, this dude's a leader. And like, he's sort of trying to get LeBron from the, from the get go. Like, look, this is what we're going to be about this year. We're going to defend. And it's not going to be the memes from last year, right? Where you see clips of like Kuz like pushing LeBron and like go over there to go defend. There's going to be none of that. Like we're locking in. And so I see Dudley sort of pulling the same sort of strings and sort of reversing it on, on AD. Like, oh, last year you said you wanted Broad to be first team all defense. Well, guess what? Like I see you being the MVP this year, buddy. And I'm saying it right in front of everyone. That's going to be a headline that you're going to see everywhere. And I'm expecting you to bring it. And look, I like these dudes challenging each other, Mike. Love like Love I want them to put down the gauntlet. When we talked about last pod and a couple of pods, pods ago about what's the motivation going, going to be, how are these guys going to night in night out, bring that same effort and not fall into the like championship malaise. And one of the ways you do that is by setting the bar high early and saying to yourselves out loud, right. In order to hold yourselves accountable to these ideas, we're going to do this. I want to see you go do that. Like, and these guys are professional athletes who are always looking for another way to motivate themselves and find that next thing that's going to push, push them forward. So I love that, Mike, personally, Pete, how about you, man? I mean, this team has a chance to be an all-time great team. I really believe that. Uh, it reminds me so much of 2001, where in 2000, we almost got knocked out because Ron Harper for all of his veteran guile and ability to contribute was well, be well over the hill. You had Rashid Wallace just killing AC green. And then they upgraded the following year and it was Horace Grant at the four instead of AC green. And it was Derek Fisher stepping into that starting role and they weren't as good during the regular season, but we all know what that 2001 team did, just rolling everybody in, in the postseason. And for all of the talk that we give to, it's so hard to repeat. There are all of these challenges. Chemistry might be different in an issue that they have to contend with. They have a chance to be an all-time great team because they're a combination of the best attributes of Lakers teams in history 
where you've got the two superstars like Le- like LeBron and AD or Kobe and Shaq, but you've also got a great deal of depth like those 2009-2010 teams and that versatility like those 2009-2010 teams that could be big with Kobe, Lamar, you know, or I'm sorry, Kobe, Artest, Shaq, and, or I'm sorry, Kobe, Artest, Powell, and Bynum, but you can also go small, putting Lamar in for Bynum. You can be fast with those groups with Shannon Brown and Jordan Farmar and Luke Walton facilitating offense, just all of these different versions of the team. You have that, but Kobe in those 2009-2010 teams did not have a second superstar with apologies to Powell. I'm talking top of the league, mm. top five. Top. Yeah, Powell, I love Powell. Powell was not Anthony Davis, Mike. No, no he, he wasn't but, Anthony no, Davis. But he was top. He was all NBA second team caliber. He was top 10, not top sure. five. But and there is, not, there is a difference. But like he was close. There, he was, he gave you, he, well, all right, that's a whole separate thing about Powell. And I know you sure. love Powell. So I don't want to pitch you into like a, I'm on the Powell side. You're not. But yeah, that, uh-huh. that's like, <laughs> I don't know. He, I, I feel like Powell gets a little underrated when we, when we go back on these discussions, I feel like there are like five or six guys in the NBA at any given time that are kind of touched by the basketball gods. And I, I was always struck by, and it, this played out during the finals being at a game. It's funny. Cause my early conversations, when I first met you, Mike, uh, there are a couple of things that you told me that really stood out uh, that have kind of changed how I watch basketball in a lot of ways. And one was your experience with watching playoff basketball and playoff defense and the difference between playoff defense and regular season defense. That's a conversation that's always stuck with me. And there was another where we were, we were at a game where the Lakers were playing. I think Jimmy was with the Timberwolves at the time. And I was watching it. We had played back-to-back games and this is when I had first getting creden- first started getting credentialed. And so I, you know, I'd see these guys up close in a way that you have been for a dozen years. And I saw Jimmy Butler one night and I saw Anthony Davis come in the other night. And for as amazing as Jimmy Butler is, Anthony Davis is just like a different tier of player that I consider touched by the basketball gods, right? This is Giannis. It's Steph on a, in a completely different way. It's LeBron, Anthony Davis, Durant, Durant, Durant is another guy, right? That, because even AD does not do everything technically correct the way that a guy like Kawhi Leonard might, but the difference between Anthony Davis and Pau Gasol as much as I love Powell or, or Jimmy Butler, as much as I love Jimmy Butler, like those guys could never get to that level. Does that make sense, Mike? Am I like, again, you've been a guy that's been seeing these games up no, close it, for a it, dozen years. The, the theory and the thought process totally makes sense. I, I think we, we may just be slightly off on where we view Powell in that equation, because I, to me, he was a guy that could, that could, compliment another star um, as he did with Kobe, but he also could totally take over a game in, in a, a bit of, so let me equate him to Steve Nash in a sense like that. So Nash, when you go, would go and watch him in person, 
it's not quite the same as in terms of domination as LeBron, as Kobe, but the way that they played basketball and could get everybody involved, but then still get their own stuff was special in, in its own way. And, and even I, I'd be interested to see where you think like magic Johnson, for example, um, places in that, who, who to me, it, it, I, look, he's a top five player of all time, but still he, he wouldn't always dominate in that forceful way. Uh, in it, but that's, that's where we're kind of, I, I don't think we're far apart on it. It's just that I, I pushed back a little bit because I, how he couldn't do it himself. Maybe to your point though, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I'm going to back off of a stance, he couldn't do it himself like in Memphis, but neither could AD in new Orleans where like where they're winning a playoff. Like, so there's also a difference between LeBron and Davis. Yeah and and pow and and so and even kobe it's just yeah that's a whole we could spend a lot of time on that but darius go ahead and and weigh in on this because i'm i'm just maybe you can kind of referee here and maybe pete and i are are closer than than, on pow than than uh than i think no from what i'm hearing from both of you guys talk i'm i'm with pete from a like touched by the basketball gods sort of idea within the context of there is a certain amount of athletic ability and dynamic athletic ability even with a guy like Steph with like the way that he moves off of the ball the way that he cuts like the quickness of his shot release there is something that when you watch him on tape it's like holy shit this dude pops he pops that's but that's why I brought up Nash and Magic Right. Exactly. And, and so their their well, their skills their was, skills. Magic and Nash don't belong in the same conversation. By Ma- the way, I, I, Magic was a one of one. Like I watched Magic Johnson from the time that I was like four years old to the time that he retired. Yeah, um, we should just take him out, top and, five player. Yeah. The thing about Powell is there was there is a certain class of player that has such a high level of like cerebral talent. Right. Jokic is a guy who I see in this sort of like stratosphere as well. Right. Where it's just like, oh, you don't pop because you're doing the things that like Anthony Davis or like LeBron or Giannis or Kevin Durant do. That's not why you pop to me. You pop to me because the thing that you see is the thing that no one else sees except for a handful of other people, right? And so while the same idea of like, there's five or six guys that Pete's talking about, right? That that are touched by the gods. There's a similar five or six or seven guys who are also touched by the basketball gods. But instead of all those, of that touch being, oh, look at the physical gifts. It's just like, look at the mental gifts that you have. Right. And so I think of a guy like the same way I think of like a guy like Pau Gasol. He may not be quite at this level, but it's like like LeBron was touched like that. Magic Johnson was was touched like that. Magic was also a six, nine point guard. So he had some of that physical ability, too. That was just off the charts. Yeah, it's just a unicorn. But okay, yeah. but Jokic, Jokic is like that now. Luka Doncic is like that right now. Right. And, and so there is an ability to like think the game. Nash was like that where, where you think the game and you see the game, uh, not just a step ahead, but two, three, four steps ahead. And because you see it that far ahead, you're moving people in certain directions in order to get it there. 
Okay, uh, let me let me posit this then to Pete. There are, especially in person, because you started this by saying when you come down to the arena, which, by the way, was great fun. I, I was so happy to, to we it went from like talking on Twitter to like, hey, let's hang out at the game. This is dope. Um, Amazing. Yes. You know, same thing when I get when I go to Golden State and get to see Darius uh, in, in like in front of the coach. It's so exciting. Um, anyway, the touch by the basketball gods seeing in person, in person, especially courtside, that the athleticism is the thing that's overwhelming. Because it's just not a normal thing to see somebody that big move that fast. And that's where, again, LeBron, AD, Giannis, et cetera. Even I would put Westbrook in there. I would put John Wall um, before. Like that amount of speed and power. When you're watching from the upper deck, then then maybe Powell, Steve Nash, you know, that kind of – and that's why I brought Magic in. He, again, I shouldn't have in terms of like overall skill because we know where he is, but just like – the the way that he's directing the game that flow that that's what i was getting to Jokic, you could put in that category and then what the ultimate like top five players are they have both and that's that's the real elite level that's jordan that's kobe that's magic that's lebron that's jabbar not many other guys yeah kareem to an extent, I mean, that, but like that's that's the whole thing. So there's the there's the physical, total, overwhelming power. There's the mental with skill, and then there's the guys that have both, um, which is right now in front of us still LeBron. And you know, Giannis has he has to get there still, and he can. Um, AD I think has made a lot of progress there, um, and can continue uh, can continue to get there, but. Do you, Pete, do you agree with that categorization? A hundred percent. And that's why I bristled a bit at the Nash and Magic comparison is that Ma- Magic was 6'9 and Magic would get, Magic had the physical advantage of being able to handle the ball right. at that size. And he was not particularly fast and he developed into a really good shooter. He was one of the best free throw shooters in the league and became a good th- three point shooter at the end of his career. Um, and sadly, we did not get to see old man Magic but for a half season, but magic Matt Jokic reminds me of magic more than anybody else in that Jokic has the, the mental, I, I would, I would argue that magic had had a little more than Jokic does, but he also had that physical, I'm bigger than you and I'm going to back you down that magic also had. And, and didn't, so didn't the, magic the, also have the, just the F U edge that, but like he had the smile, but didn't he have like the crazy sure. competitive F U edge? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. One of my favorite magic scenes is when he hits a game winner and then he's like running off. Pete knows this scene already from our Laker fan days of just being old and seeing so many of these clips, but magic hitting the game winner, Pete and running off the court to the tunnel and like pointing his finger at someone like <laughs> on the sideline and he's uh-huh. sort of like, like jarring at them. Well, yeah, yeah. you've been talking and, mess this whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of just like, like, Oh hell no. Like you didn't know I'm magic F and Johnson. Right. Which <laughs> first of all, his name is magic a, Johnson. His teammates called a, him buck. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man. Like dude was there's on a, a whole other level. Darius, there's a common thread of Lakers greats and really just greats in general. I always laugh at like Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. It's like you insulted me, you know the whole last dance thing. The oh, oh. And, I, and I took that personal. Yeah, Kobe had that. LeBron definitely has that. That's been one thing that's been fun to follow 
LeBron on a day-to-day basis is I like realizing the like, oh yeah, every time somebody disrespects you, like the the whole washed king thing. You remember he did that last season. Revenge that was tour. probably. Mm-hmm. Revenge that was by probably. The way, by the way, when I, the the first time that I in my own head predicted the Lakers were going to win the title is when the washed king thing came out. I was like, oh, okay, right, it's on. Yeah, like yeah. when somebody like that feels yeah. disrespected, there's a, like this certain like kind of serial killer I'm going to show all of you type of like I'm absolutely going to die. And LeBron been calling himself and people have been calling him the king since he was a teenager. You don't think this MF is a conqueror? You don't think this guy's trying to win five straight or just something that like that just ends the greatest of all time yeah, man. He conversation? Was, he, he was, he when he commits to this single. contract? Dude, he, Darius, he watched every single playoff game. That re- Do you think he was just sitting there like really only breaking down what teams are doing? No, he oh, was he was man. he had a he had his pen out. He had a notepad and he was he was writing names down that he was going to cross off like a murderer the next year. <laughs> no, it was right? It's Kill Bill, dog. It's Kill yes. Bill. Where yeah. for sure. like oh, oh, there's Oren Ishii. We're crossing the name off. <laughs> yeah. And, and top don't, of the list. And guess what? Kobe, guess who else did that? Kobe Kobe F Bryant. Can I bring this back to Anthony Davis now? I remember him during the playoffs too. You think he didn't hear the noise about PJ Tucker being able to guard him? You don't, you don't think you remember his post-game comments about how they were talking about how he wasn't rebounding, how he wasn't doing enough. Right. And so Darius, if he forgot, guys, if he forgot Darius, Jared Dudley was going to let him know. <laughs> no, sure. And look, I think that that brings it look, like, look, man. And I don't want to like cut us off here. Right. We've been running hot here for, hey, for we do a while. Week. We can wrap it up. And yeah, no, this is fun. But my whole thing is, is these are the guys the Lakers have now, man. And I know it's fun. And for outsiders to poke fun at like Lakers fans and like, oh yeah, you had it so hard. Right. Like, you went a whole decade between winning championships, right? You went a whole seven years without seeing the playoffs or whatever. And I get it. It's fun. And it's funny to a certain extent that like these agree that there is seemingly aggrieved fans who are fans of the Los Angeles Lakers, but the Lakers (laughs) were out of the playoffs bad for like a lot of years. And just two years ago, and we talked about this on the Palinka pod. We talked about this um, on the Frank Vogel pod. We talked about this on LeBron's pod because it's been a common theme for us. But think back to two years ago or even just a year and a half ago when LeBron had been hurt and the Lakers were out of the playoffs again and Magic Johnson is in the tunnel holding an impromptu press conference, letting everyone know that he's not going to be back next year and that he hasn't even told Jeannie Buss this yet. And at that point, the Lakers seemed to be the laughingstock of the league. And, and that carried on, I think, for like another like month or month and a half when they were like, you, you know, the first take appearance and everything else. And now... Today, Anthony Davis just re-upped for five years, and that's coming off of LeBron extending his contract for two additional years. And the Lakers are the defending NBA champions. And if you would have told, if you would have told us, us three people, that this 
is how we'd be spending a random Thursday night in the first part of December talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. I swear to God, you guys, like I wouldn't have believed it. I would not have believed that this is where the Lakers would be. And this is why when we started the pod, I was like, cue up the ice cube because today is a good day. And it's why Pete's been swigging wine. It's why Mike's got his beverage. It's why I was chomping on <laughs> I got, a cookie. Look, I got, I got my, uh, yep. got your lint roller. Got lint roller. <laughs> he's, he's clean. You Mike's know, looking clean. I got right two now. shirts. Yeah. One of them had a lint roll. There is, let me, can I, I hate to break up the, the nice rhythm of that there. I do have a yes and no for what you just said. I mean, it's the Lakers. This is what I've been trying to explain to you guys. If there's any team that on a dime is going to turn things around, it's always going to be the Lakers and it always will. That's what the history brings. That's what the city brings. That's what the fan base brings. They just, they had to get off of the bad contracts. They had to let a couple young guys develop and stars were going to come. And guess what? After the next time they hit a rough patch, hopefully it's a year instead of three years, four years, another star is going to come and then somebody's going to come join them. That's what happens. It's, it's good to be a Laker fan. It, it just is. And that's where all of the amnity comes from. So I get it. What you're saying is like, still two guys, Max re- resigned. They just won the title. Of course, it's a great spot to be in, but you also got to be a little bit less surprised than everybody else. And that's all I'm saying with the yes and no. I mean, who shouldn't have been surprised by this? All the people who were talking shit. I had a wonderful day dunking on the Celtics guy for Barstool. And whenever you can dunk on both the Celtics and Barstool in this at the same time in the same day, like Wait, I everyone missed was a little bit loud. I missed this. Was this on Twitter? Yeah, what? go to my timeline, you will and Dude, you will I'm gonna hit that. This. I'm gonna hit that up right now. It's just pure retweets, just letting your yeah. own dumbass opinions, your own being loud. Just you put know, it out there. You remember, we've all seen tape of like the Dr. J dunk contest, right? And so mm-hmm. today was like that for Pete. Pete <laughs> he walked to the, he walked to one foul line and he sort of looked at the hoop and then he walked in the other direction and he was like measuring out his step. Like, like okay, let me measure out my steps. Oh, and then Darius, I measured out up. those steps. Them bitches were bookmarked yeah. for six months. No, I was no. waiting for AD to resign for that dumbass. Yeah. So, and then Pete put the ball in one hand and he ran up the damn court and he jumped from the foul line and he just dunked. <laughs> that, that's exactly what he did. That's what's on his timeline. Oh, I'm, in, I'm looking at it right now. And uh, I think I need a moment alone to enjoy this. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, um, shout out to, by the way, shout out to, quick shout out to Harrison, who was dunking in another way today on Twitter that I was enjoying um, and had to slide into his DMs to, to tell him about for, uh, for doing it for me. But that was enjoyable, too. doing doing the lord's work gentlemen i loved this pod i have loved doing these pods with you this is a ton of fun here's to a bright future and a lot of years talking about lebron and anthony davis uh everybody have a great weekend we'll be back on monday but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time ains has got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy tips to magic worthy dies on his belly magic scores there's magic got it magic fires it's good they will lakers win the game the lakers win the game three seconds left bat next to the winner it's on the way 48 points.
NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.